From the School of Psychology at the University of Queensland and UQPSY Studios, this is Just a Thought, a podcast where we explore psychology and how it influences our lives. Here are your hosts, James Kirby and Nicole Nelson. And welcome back to another episode of Just a Thought. We're very lucky to have Dr. Kim Peters with us today. She's from the School of Psychology and she's part of the Masters of Organisational Psychology program here at the University of Queensland. She did her PhD in Social Psychology at the University of Melbourne and she's been at UQ now for, well, quite a few years. How long, Kim? Uh, Just about five years. About five years now and she's doing marvellous things here at the university, looking at the power of gossip and also how we can start to engage in perhaps more effective communication and leadership styles. So we're very lucky to have Kim here, and she recently gave a a school seminar talk on the causes and consequences of gossipers' lies. So I think this will be quite an interesting podcast. So thanks for coming along, Kim. That's a pleasure, James. Thank you. So Kim, just to sort of start off, um, would you mind telling us a little bit more about who you are and how you kind of got into gossip research, as it were? Sure. Um, Well, uh, so in terms of who I am, I I started my research at the University of Melbourne where I embarked on a Masters Masters of Organisational Psychology and um, decided that actually, no, I was quite interested in doing research. And so I started working with Yoshi Kashima there and he's very interested in culture and communication. It was something I didn't really know about particularly. But um, just through talking to him, came across some really interesting work on um, urban legends and, and the role of emotion in particular kinds of communicated content, and that sort of really sparked my interest. So yeah. I guess I um, like thinking about something that all of us do all the time, every day, like communicating, and thinking about what the social consequences of that are. And so through the, through the course of my PhD research, got particularly interested in uh, you know what we call gossip. Um, what I should probably say is that the uh, the way we define that is quite broad. Right. Um, so yeah. when people think about gossip, they may yeah. think of you know particularly sort of scurrilous <laughs> accusations that they share with very good friends, yeah, and they're, yeah. they're typically kind of slightly bitchy or nasty, <laughs> yeah, talk, yeah. maybe. Yeah, totally. So uh, researchers who work in this area, like myself and other people, uh, particularly in the biosciences or, or um, political science, for instance, take a much broader perspective and we basically right. count as gossip um, anything that's I guess social talk so it's when mm. we talk about other people okay and um, it's obviously important because mm. most of us do it most of the time um, and you know there's, there's lots of kind of ideas about you know gossip is something that women do in particular and, yeah. and all those kinds of things but you know I think if you look if you look at most people who are interested in other people mm. what they talk about most of the time is is other people so mm. it's something that's sort of fundamental to to being human I think oh completely and I mean do you know the the work that kind of looks at it developmentally like is it is it just something we do straight from when we begin to learn to talk or do you examine it mostly in adults i examine it mostly in in adults and actually i actually don't know yeah what, sure what the developmental yeah. developmental yeah. aspects are but that's yeah. a very interesting question i don't know if you know well no i don't well I, I certainly would think you know during the period of adolescence for example you know mm. when you're forming peer friendships and relationships and reputations a pretty big deal to a degree and so how people talk about each other when they're not there yeah. and so on and yeah. making evaluations can yeah. be pretty intense 
<laughs> no, that's exa- that's absolutely right. I think certainly as, as soon as I imagine, and again, I'm not a developmental psychologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done any of this right. work, yeah, but sure. um, as soon as we, you know, kind of our social minds really wake up, I yeah. think, of course, we're, we're incredibly concerned about other people and what they're like. Yeah. And the idea is that gossip is one of the fundamental ways we have of actually learning about other people and getting to understand yeah. our social world. So I think... You know, it, it must accompany that kind of yeah. um, that development that we go through, and so I think by the time certainly teenagers, yeah. you kind of think that yeah. there's quite a lot of reputational gossip yeah. stuff that happens there, and I think that must be the case. It is interesting, isn't it? Because gossip does. I, I really like how you defined it right there at the beginning, because gossip does come with its own sort of baggage, if you will. Yeah, it absolutely does, and in popular culture, and and yeah. certainly in in some disciplines as well. So um, I mean, I think. You know, in the first instance, hardly anyone has done research on gossip, which is which is fascinating. However, mm. you define it, mm. um, but there there are a few cases of people in the more anthropological or sociological tradition where they look at, at gossip in in other kinds of societies or um, in particular kinds of social contexts. And sometimes they take a broader definition. Sometimes they take mm. a narrower definition. Okay. But um, for people who are, you know, where where gossip research really seems to be um, going at the moment and, and picking up quite a bit of um, momentum mm. is around people who are interested in, in the functions okay. um, yeah. and particularly from um, a kind of, you know, wanting to understand what role does gossip play in the capacity mm. of people to cooperate mm. with each other. Mm. Oh, that's so interesting. And I guess that kind of perhaps is a nice uh, segue into your seminar titled Causes and Consequences of Gossipers' Lies. Um, you know, would you mind just giving us a, a brief overview of what that seminar was about? And yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as a, um, you know, one of the major things I've been interested in is um, just, you know, do people tell lies mm. when they gossip? Oh. And if they do, what do those lies look like? And just as a bit of background for, for why I find that question interesting is two claims that um, are made in the literature. Now, on one hand, and again, this explains why people are getting so interested in, in mm. gossip and reputation processes, is the idea that um, you know human societies are, are very complicated. Um, and what that means is that managing to cooperate is quite is quite a challenge yeah. in a lot of everyday kind of environments mm. so um, there's lots of mechanisms that are understood for cooperation like um, direct reciprocity for instance mm. which is a situation where you meet someone you interact with them you have an ongoing relationship which means that if they treat you badly you can mm. kind of punish them mm. and teach them a lesson mm. so in human societies because they're very mobile mm. they're very large mm. uh, for many of us mm. across our um I'll just pause it so sorry david <laughs> just you know in the middle of a that's podcast right. yeah 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 i'll, ca- I'll ca- catch you later <laughs> so sorry about that no, that's fine. Uh, um that's the first time that's happened can you believe it no i'm usually well, so Important. <laughs> so, Damn it! So what was that? Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. I can... You sure? Yeah, yeah. I can. I can start again. So okay. cooperation so in, in, was really yeah. Yeah. So in human societies, the challenges come from the fact that we we have quite large and very mm. mobile social groups, and um, what this means is that on a day to day basis, there are lots of people that we interact with that we don't know particularly well, and even people who are strangers that we interact with now. This is a real challenge to cooperation because the question is, well, how is it that you can 
actually manage to cooperate with each other or, or look out for those people who are free riders who might cheat you or take mm. advantage of you mm. when you don't really know that much about the people that you're interacting with. And, you know, one of the, the kind of judgments there is that actually people are pretty cooperative. And so the question is why? Mm. And theoretically, again, from the biosciences kind of perspective, um, there have been researchers who say, well, maybe reputation. Reputation mm. is the answer because mm. when you have reputation systems which are um, kind of socially shared, understandings yeah. of the characteristics of people, yeah. You don't actually have to interact with them to get a sense of what they're like. So, you know, I don't have to learn about you yeah. by actually coming and, ha and trusting you and finding out are you trustworthy or not. Yeah. But if, for instance, I speak to someone else who interacted with you, they can tell me. And so it means that, you know, if they say, oh, yeah, James, he's really mm. trustworthy, <laughs> I can go, oh, I'll look out for James in the future. And if given the opportunity, I'll definitely trust him. Or if mm. they say, well, no, he's really not trustworthy, yes. then I'll be sure to avoid you yes. in the future. So reputation means that we get to learn a lot more about people people mm. on the basis of far fewer interpersonal interactions yeah. and there's there's a lot of um, sort of agent-based modeling and so on and some lab work which shows that where you have reputation mm. it does shore up levels of cooperation right um, so that's one kind of one kind of perspective and mm. and the question then is well what where do we get reputation from what is the mm. mechanism for mm. reputation and the obvious answer is it's gossip it's mm. it's you know mm. when you say reputation is the idea that they say that someone is okay it's like well they say <laughs> that's the gossip part of it <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so of course you know in contemporary society with technology we can also get reputational information from news media and other yes. kinds of things but fundamentally in our everyday life and certainly historically it was gossip that provided that information that we use to form reputation, yeah. understanding of, of reputations. So from that perspective, you're like, well, gossip is super important because yeah. it underpins the reputation that allows us to cooperate with each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the other hand, though, you get people who say, oh, well, hang on a second. Um, what's to stop people from lying? Mm. You know, if gossip is, if reputation is important and mm. has consequences for how we treat people, then, you know, we can manipulate gossip to have other kinds of implications for the people around us. You know, if yeah. I want to hurt you, yeah. what I do is I share a piece of slanderous gossip and that ruins your reputation and, and has some negative consequences. Or the other way around, if I want to help you, mm -hmm. I can promote you through, mm. through describing you um, in really positive ways, which builds your reputation and can have positive consequences for you. Yeah. So, um, in terms of exploring that, uh, you get people like particularly economists who are like, well, if you can lie, of course you will. You know, why on earth would you ever tell the truth? <laughs> <laughs> or at least if it's possible to lie yeah, yeah. Uh, or to tell the truth and it's yeah. very easy to lie, yeah. then what it means is that, you know, gossip just becomes so much kind of babble. Yes. You, know, you have people yes. who are talking and you have people who are just like, yeah, whatever, I'm not going to pay any attention. And the whole reputation system breaks apart mm. and it becomes kind of uh, worthless. Mm. So on one hand, it's like, well, gossip is clearly important because reputation matters and gossip is what underpins reputation. On the other hand, mm. it's like, oh, but people will probably lie. Right. And if they lie, then it can't, you know, so yeah. it's kind of like this real dilemma yeah. um, in the literature. And um, people are starting to think, well, how, you know, what are the ways around this? How mm. can we think about the fact that maybe people do lie, mm. but nonetheless, gossip still works as, as a way of, of monitoring reputation and, and leading to cooperation? Um, but it's very early days and we have very little understanding of these things. And um, one of the things that researchers haven't really done yet mm. is actually focus on, um, you know, what is what do lies look like? Yeah. You know, if people lie, mm. what do they do? Mm. 
And that's really, um, you know, that's really kind of where we're coming in with this research. So it's stuff that I've done in collaboration, in particular with a collaborator at the University of Exeter, uh, Miguel Fonseca. And we use, um, he's actually an economist, and so we use some of these economic, behavioral economics paradigms of bringing people into the lab and, and getting them to engage in structured interactions, mm. playing particular kinds of cooperation games, and then um, manipulating whether they can gossip or not gossip, and having a look at what they do and, and what the consequences of that are. Yeah. So that was probably quite a long introduction to study, but <laughs> <laughs> I should get to the... <laughs> but no, I'm, what I mean, we actually, what there's we just actually, a lot there, isn't it? I yeah, mean, when you start to, yeah. to, to step through it all, yeah. the, the importance and the function it, it plays, and yeah. then, um, how it can be both perhaps useful, but then also um, on the other side, this idea of lies. I mean, that's what interests me a little bit. When you talk about lies, like, what's the definition used there? Anything that's inaccurate, yeah. So, So, I mean, just say for something like, my wife asks me, do I look lovely in this? (laughs) Yeah, that's often a loaded kind of question, right? Absolutely. And so, if the response isn't 100% accurate, but it is kind of like more of a you know a a pleasant white lie exactly yeah absolutely um is that still construed as a well i guess yeah i I think you certainly can i think um yeah so we certainly and i'll I'll, we'll Mm. probably get to this in a second Mm. in in terms of our paradigm Mm. anything that's inaccurate we Mm. we count as a lie i I think when you call Mm. something a lie Mm. it has a bit of a also a bit of baggage with Mm. it right there's a kind of a sense that um it's purposeful yeah and that it's, you know, kind of a bit malicious, mm, probably. Mm, mm. Um, but the fact that you do have people who, you know, these, these, these typologies which talk about like white lies and yeah. grey lies and black mm. lies sort of acknowledges that, well, you can have all kinds of, of purposeful inaccuracy, but not necessarily meant to harm. Yeah, in yeah. fact, sometimes meant to help. Yeah. Um, so the idea that accuracy, you know, is 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 a moral, you know, to yeah. be accurate all the time is yeah. the moral thing to do, depends, yeah. I guess, on your philosophical position. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> um, Which we won't unpack today. No, no. <laughs> but um, So I think, you know, in the gossip space, there's mm. been a, if, again, if you, if you look at how people talk about it, they tend to focus on, I guess, what you would say is that kind of defamation situation, a situation okay. where um, there's someone who's actually a good person, mm. a trustworthy person, mm. And someone then represents them negatively, so it sort of defames them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that situation, that's obviously very a harmful situation yes. for the person who's being described. And I think that drives a lot of the concern with, with what gossip could be like. Yes. So um, actually Roy, Roy Baumeister yeah. in the department has done some work um, more in the kind of mate competition space looking at um, whether women will will defame other women to mm. try and compete for a mate, right? So it's kind of like, you know, you don't want to go with her, you want to go with me, she's really yeah, not as good as yeah, you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what we do in this particular study is we present a pretty simple framework mm. for how you can think about the different kinds of lies that people can tell. Mm. And so that framework is a two-by-two framework, as, mm. as all good psych- psychological <laughs> frameworks are. Um, and the two dimensions are, first of all, the valence okay. of the lie. Yeah. And then the second Do you dimension... want to just describe what you mean by valence? Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Absolutely. So the valence, uh, whether the lie is, is a positive one or okay. a negative one. In other yeah. words, given a person, do yeah. I represent them as being more trustworthy than they are yes. or less trustworthy than they actually are? Excellent. And the other dimension, then, is about the kind of person 
yeah. that I'm describing in a piece of gossip. So is that person, you know, to make it very simple, a trustworthy person or an untrustworthy person? So you can think about the fact that you're describing good people and bad people mm. and you're lying in ways that represents them as more negative than they are or yeah. more positive than they are. Yeah. So in that two by two framework, what you can see is that obviously there are four different kinds of lies there. Mm. There's positive lies about good types and bad types and there's negative lies about good types and bad types. Um, and on the, this, okay, I'm thinking about something that's a figure and this won't make any sense, but I'll stop over there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. On the diagonal yes, <laughs> of yes. the figure, yeah, yeah. of the framework, you get uh, different kinds of lies. So I get what we, well, I guess the fairly intuitive parlance is you have what we call exaggeration lies, right. which is where you have a bad person yeah. that you describe more negatively or a good person that you yeah. boost up a bit and okay. say they're actually more trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and then on the other diagonal, what you have is what we call like misrepresentation yep. lies. So yep. you have a good person that you describe as being a bad person yep. or a bad person that you that's describe as being a good person. Mm. So I think straight away that starts to make you think, ah, oh, okay, there's actually many more different kinds of lies mm. that people can tell than you think of. So, you know, when most theorists are thinking about the good person that you defame, actually that's just one of four broad kinds of, yeah. of lies that you can tell. The other thing that we've um, uh, sort of built around that is kind of thinking about, well, actually, what, what do you do when you tell one of those four lies to the people who are involved in this communicative act? So one of the interesting things about gossip is it's actually, it, it creates instantly a fairly complicated social, social set of social relationships because there's the person who's gossiping. Yeah. There's the audience, the person they're gossiping to, yeah. and then there's the person that they're gossiping so, about. So yeah. you have a social triad. Mm. And as soon as you have a social triad, things get quite complicated quite quickly. Yes. Um, so, okay, let's think about the four kinds of lies then. If I was to tell a positive lie mm. about a target, mm. that obviously is helping the target because I'm boosting their reputation. Okay, if I tell a negative lie about a target, mm. I'm mm. harming the target mm. because I'm decreasing their reputation. Okay. Now, if we think about what the consequences for the audience are, then we need to think about whether the lie is an exaggeration lie right. or a misrepresentation lie. If it's an exaggeration lie, I would suggest that I'm not necessarily harming the audience because mm -hmm. what I'm doing is kind of pushing you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So I'm being a bit more extreme. I'm saying you definitely, you know, if you think of a restaurant, you definitely have to go to this restaurant. It's the best restaurant you've ever been to. <laughs> okay, that's probably a bit extreme, but it is trying to get you to do something that yeah. ultimately is probably good for you. Yeah. Whereas if I try and discourage you again from a really bad restaurant and yeah. say it's the worst meal you've ever had, again, mm -hmm. that's an exaggeration, mm -hmm. but it just keeps you away from something that you probably wouldn't have wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So arguably, um, exaggeration is something that, if anything, has a neutral effect on the audience mm. or kind of uh, may mm. even help them. Mm. Misrepresentation, though, is very different. Mm. So misrepresentation is a situation where, you know, uh, it's a great restaurant and I tell you definitely don't go there. What's a terrible restaurant? Like you definitely have to go there. <laughs> okay. So that's something where I give you a piece of information, which is super, super bad advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not going to help you yeah, at all. Yeah. What this means is that with any lie, I'm simultaneously having an effect yeah. which could be positive or negative for the target mm. and an effect mm. that could be positive or negative for the audience. Mm. And what we suggest is that when it comes to lying, it's not easy to lie mm. because you have to weigh up these fairly mm. complex mm. social concerns. Mm. 
So broadly what we um, suggest uh, is that exaggeration is not a hard kind of lie to tell because I can yeah. argue to myself, yeah. I'm actually helping the audience, yeah. I'm giving them good advice yeah. and I'm punishing a bad target or yeah. helping a good one. Yeah. So achieving kind of reciprocity with that person. Mm. Misrepresentation lies mm. though are hard mm. because in that situation, I'm definitely hurting you, the mm. audience, mm. And to hurt you, mm. I'm helping a bad target. Mm. In other words, a terrible restaurant and I'm mm. sending them custom. Or I'm hurting a great rest, you know, mm. a great target. Mm. In other words, a great restaurant and I'm making sure no one goes there. Yes. And so I'm actually undermining any desire I might have to punish yeah. a bad target or to reward mm. a good one. Mm. 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 And in those instances when that occurs, that real discrepancy, as it were. Um, are there also lots of consequences for the person who's told the lie? Uh, the audience. Is, is the person who actually says the lie. Oh, who they says the, audience, the lies. Yeah. No, sorry, sorry, the gossip. Because then does that not yeah. get out? Like, yes, exactly. Well, the that's exactly, that's possible. Yeah. That's yeah. possible. So it's entirely possible that, um, and that's what some theorists have suggested, is that, yeah. well, we're honest because... You know, if we're dishonest, yeah, it'll come and back. it could come back. Yeah. And yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I think that is probably a factor there. But I think a, a more basic factor almost or, yeah. or another parallel factor is yeah. that, you know, if we tell those kinds of misrepresentation lies, we're actually harming someone that we want to help or, her, mm. or, or helping someone that we really don't want to. So it's actually just, just the basic consequences of telling mm. the lie mm. are quite difficult to, to reconcile with. Mm. And so um, that was the framework and mm. basically in this experiment where we brought 16 people into the lab at a time and mm. they were playing trust games repeatedly <laughs> and they got to share gossip about each other. Yes, yes. Um, we were just interested in spontaneously did they, you know, uh, did they ever share this yeah. inaccurate gossip and what were the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, now we were also interested in kind of what it took to get people to lie, to get people to lie. Yeah. And um, so in some of the, well one of the conditions we introduced competition between the gossipers. So it's a kind of situation where mm. I'm, you know, giving you advice about someone, but I really don't want you to, you know, I don't want to give you good advice. I want to give you really bad advice. Yes, yes. So to see if that kind of competition would increase rates of, yeah, of yeah. that that misrepresentation, the really yeah. um, harmful lie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so basically what we find is that um, there is reasonably high levels of spontaneous lying yeah. um so even oh, when yeah. there's no incentive to do it yeah. about 20 percent oh, of right. messages but the majority of it is that kind of exaggeration lie. oh I see. so yeah. predominantly the kind of also negative exaggeration mm. so mm. it was just like that person kind mm. of sucked mm. so i'm going to tell you that they're a bit worse yeah. than they actually they actually were mm. um when we introduced the competition though mm. that is when you got the misrepresentation lie big uh, increase did it take big much? increase well, I guess much. I mean, this is a very, it's a very contrived yeah. context. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was worth $5 to them yeah. to misrepresent the others right. across the whole experiment. So, I, I mean, I guess on one hand you could say, that's not that much. <laughs> yeah, 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 it depends. <laughs> but on, but on yeah. the other hand, it was yeah. the entire purpose for them being in that experiment. Yeah. So it was enough to get them to, to ramp up their lying yeah. enormously, such that those misrepresentation lies were about um, 30% of 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 cases right, um, right. so really very high it's really interesting i just asked that because you know i do some work with children and, oh, and right. when we do make a, this task competitive the children never help but as soon as you take the competition out of it yeah 
help all the time. Yeah. It's just it, the competition yeah. is so small. Like it's yeah. in terms, we don't even say they're a competition. We just give them a task, which is the same task, mm. and they do it in parallel. And we tell them, if you both finish it, you'll get a sticker. But mm. there's this sense that, you know, I can't help you unless mm. I get my task done. Because mm. we're almost doing the same task. So yeah. it's just, it's the, the smallest level of competition we we uh, kind of bring into the paradigm. But yeah. as soon as it happens, children never, never yeah. help. It's just fascinating. So that, I was curious in terms of getting the misrepresentation. Is it just the slightest little bit of... Um, yeah. Uh, competitive dynamics that then leads to well you turn off that kind of kind of sensitivity towards the other person in terms yeah. of the pro-social kind of way well sensitivity to the, yeah that's right i mean i guess yeah it's, it's, it's so it's hard to it's hard to calibrate about yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is that is that a lot or a little yeah um, oh totally that's that's a <laughs> but ridiculous i mean i think question, it's, so. it's you know of course in in no it's, it's a reasonable question and i think um you know it'd be really interesting to look in, in mm. much more realistic kind of kind of context mm. um so you know but of course then in in you know in everyday life i mm. guess you've got to think you know what are situations where you have an opportunity to really mislead someone yeah, yeah, yeah. that you really you know yeah. um and and where you think they're likely to, to yeah. actually listen to you yeah, yeah i mean those opportunities must come must yeah. come about right but oh, i completely. think they're i think um yeah I don't know. That's a, it's an interesting question. Yeah. And uh, so far, this this work anyway is very much very much in the lab. Oh no, it's it's fantastic, Kim, and um, uh, thank you for for talking us through those uh, series of experiments. It, it it's wonderful. Um, just in starting to draw the the, the podcast to a close. I mean, is there a, a, a particular future research question that you'd really like to tackle after this series of? of studies that you're kind of like, we must explore this now right. with, with, with this gossiping lie dynamic. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. I think I see that going, the, the two major interests I have at the moment. So one is just showing that, you know, we have established this kind of typology of different kinds of lies. And yeah. we certainly have found some evidence about, um, you know, the kinds of, the, the, the social consequences, the hurt and harm mm. that you do to the target and the, and the um, audience. Mm. But, um, you know, in the paper we argue that probably, you know, certain kinds of lies really are not problematic yeah. um, from a reputation perspective. In other words, these exaggeration lies, yes, they're lies, but mm. chances are they, they actually may even help reputation yeah. to be more effective because you're really just pushing more extreme responses. Mm. Mm. Now, that's entirely you know, just our kind of idea. And so yeah, it'd be yeah. very interesting to do some experimental work, just having a look and seeing, you know, what is the impact of including different kinds of lies on the capacity of gossip to to, uh, to lead to cooperation still being high. Yeah, yeah. So that's one kind of much more basic mm, mm. Um, direction. Another direction that we're actually already taking this work is putting it much more into a real life context. And, and you know, I, as you mentioned, I, I do do organizational psychology mm. um, and, really interested in how these reputation processes work in organizational contexts. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, it's like you, the, these are ever present mm. kind of um, dynamics in our daily lives and we know so little about them. Yes. And, you know, reputation in organizations is incredibly important. Now, um, you know, I imagine for most people, they would have an understanding of that, but there are also rep, uh, industries where, mm. You know, everything is on the basis of re recommendation, uh, reputation, sorry. So it's like you get a job not by going through a formal application process, no. but because someone recommended you or yes. didn't recommend you. Yes. Um, yes. And so what we're really trying to understand is is 
how do these kinds of processes play out mm, mm. in organizations? The first uh, study that we're, we're doing at the moment, um, looking at these things, is, is exploring um, what kinds of, I guess you could say lies, mm. uh, people tell when they send informal recommendations mm. about other people. So it's, um, it's said in the kind of workplace context where, yeah. where participants are asked to imagine that they have an ex-colleague who, um, who's applied for a job in another state and someone at that organization, you know, contacts them because they're actually kind of acquaintances and says, oh. hey, before we process the application, yeah, yeah. can you just Give tell us that. what this person's like? Yeah. And so in that context, what we do is we present participants with a whole lot of information about what that person's done. Right. Um, so kind of like behaviors. Mm. And then we say, okay, just write an informal recommendation. And mm. so we're just having a look and seeing what kind of information people t- tend to share and which kinds of information yeah. they tend to hide and yeah. Yeah. Uh, what the consequences are for the impression yeah. formed by the other person. Oh. Geez, that sounds great. Mm. Okay, and as the the final question, um, and you might not be able to answer this one, and that's fine, um, but would there be a movie that best captures the work that you do? Um, I, because <laughs> I didn't prepare for this question, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there would be, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the movie that comes to mind is not one that I've watched, so maybe you can tell me if it's okay. a movie or not. Oh, goodness. But I kind of think, what's that movie, that social network movie? The one oh, about Facebook. The yeah, Facebook isn't movie. it just called Social Network Some, or yeah, something like that? Right. Yeah, that's yeah, right, that's yeah. right. I haven't actually watched it, but yeah, I yeah. assume that there must be something in there that's to do with reputation and, and kind oh, of yes, these kinds yes. of sharing information about other people. Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. I think that's probably a very good one i mean that also sounds like a really ripe area for research um yeah yeah is that what you're doing as well looking at everything the social media no i i haven't i haven't but there certainly are people looking at reputation uh processes maybe a little bit less in in social media like facebook but Mm. in things rating platforms so things like airbnb um yes i see yeah right and so um you know there's there's some pretty interesting work in that space Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. basically showing that if you have those kinds of rating or, or mm-hmm. reputation processes, um, it does lead to, you know, people tend to behave in a much more cooperative way or at least have high, higher quality apartments that you yeah. get to set. And so it's yeah. very good about maintaining standards. Yes, yes. Even though the information that you get on the platform is almost useless. So <laughs> if you go onto Airbnb, <laughs> almost everything is rated for and above. Yeah, right? yeah, it's So it's kind of like right? everything yeah, is yeah. rated above four, yeah, more yeah, or less. I mean, yeah. if it's rated less than four, you know that, yeah, it's you know, good. don't touch yeah. it with a barge pole. Yeah. And so it's like actually the rating it has no information mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. but because the people providing the apartment are so mm-hmm. worried about the possibility of getting a bad rating, yeah, yeah. they all work extremely hard yeah. to have, have good apartments. So yeah. it's, it's a nice demonstration of, of how these reputation effects can kind of keep everyone in line, yeah, yeah. not because the content of the information is particularly informative to consumers, mm-hmm. but because the, the, the people selling their wares, as you will, are kind of so worried that they're trying very, very hard yes, to, yeah. to, to be good. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, on that note, uh, Kim, <laughs> thank you so much for, for coming in and talking to us um, on the Just the Thought podcast. And we'll put a link into the paper as well um, when this goes live. But um, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure.